Are you willing to allow Jesus' agape to help you to bear the trials in this life? To believe in the work of God in this life? To hope with expectation of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? To endure the weights and the trials of this world and others until you see Jesus face to face? Looking too far for that need to have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round, and it's taking you for a ride. You've gotta let go and let God. Welcome to the Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. So today we're going to look at a passage from 1 Corinthians 13. I titled it, A More Excellent Way. And we're going to see in our first point, the gifts without love, verses 1 through 3. Love defined, verses 4 through 7. And the greatest of these, verses 8 through 13. So Father, I pray that you would bless us now as we look into this just great passage in the Bible. We know that every word in the Bible is good. Some, Lord, speak to us more than others. Lord, I pray that you would help this passage speak to us in a great way this day. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. And then great sacrifice without love. He says, though I bestow my goods to feed the poor, all my goods, though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Even the greatest sacrificial offerings of all your earthly goods or even your body. It's a one-time gift. You can only sacrifice your life once for someone else. If it's done without love, it's done without profit of the one who is giving. Without profit, it means to have an advantage. On the other hand, the greatest example of someone giving his all is that of Jesus, his death upon the cross. And this is because Jesus gave his life in agape. The love of the Son, John 15, 13 tells us, no greater love than any man than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. The love of the Father in Romans 5, 8 tells us that God demonstrates his own love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The love of the Holy Spirit in Romans 15, 30 says, Now I beg you, brethren, though the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. He says, I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ, through the love of the Holy Spirit, that you strive together with me in the prayers to God for me. He named all three 
the persons of the Godhead there, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But he mentioned the agape love of the Holy Spirit and the love of believers. In Romans 5, 5, it says, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The love of God has been poured out into our hearts. And whether using one of the sign gifts or our natural abilities, we must function with agape. We must function with love toward others. He defines love for us in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. I'm going to read it for you. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Agape, as I like to describe it, a giving love that expects nothing in return, is a love that is long-suffering and kind. To be long-suffering is to be long-spirited or forbearing or patient. To be kind, it speaks about a kindness or an obligation, willing to help or to assist others. Are you allowing Jesus' agape to flow through you with long-suffering, with kindness toward others? Love does not envy or parade itself. To be envy, it's a word that is translated as zealous or to have zeal in other places in the Bible. It speaks about to busy oneself with something. To be envious, you're always looking at what other people's haves and desiring it for yourself. To parade yourself, it speaks about boasting or vaunting yourself toward others. And are you allowing Jesus' agape to keep you from burning envy, from vain boasting? Agape is not puffed up. It is not rude to puff up. It speaks about that pride that we can have. In context, it refers to having pride against another. To be rude, we understand that. It's having this attitude that is very ugly, unseemly, unbecoming toward others. And again, are we allowing Jesus' agape to keep us from pride that leads to rude behavior? Agape does not seek his own, is not provoked, it thinks no evil. To seek our own, it, it is a Greek word that speaks about to worship God, or in a bad sense, which Paul uses it here, it's a word that speaks to plot against another. You're seeking your own, so you're plotting against others because you're seeking an advantage for your own life. To not be provoked... It means that we are not roused to anger or indignation. To think no evil in a moral sense, it speaks about that of being wicked or vicious or bad in heart, in conduct or character. We are not to uh, do these things. We are to allow Jesus' agape to keep us from seeking our own well-being before others, from provoking others, from thinking evil of others. Agape does not rejoice in iniquity, but in truth. 
iniquity, speaking about that unrighteousness that is in our world today, in a condition that is not being right, whether with God or with others. Agape does not rejoice in iniquity. Agape rejoices in truth. A Greek word that refers to that which is true, that which connects with what we understand according to the truth of the word of God that has given us. And are we allowing Jesus' agape to keep us from rejoicing in iniquity, the iniquity of others, but rejoicing in truth? Agape bears all things. Agape believes all things. Agape hopes all things. Agape endures all things. Agape bears all things. It, it means to cover over with silence. Uh, we might say a concealing. It's a hiding of the faults of others, covering them up. Often people like to expose the faults of others, but agape doesn't do that. It conceals them for others. Agape bears all things. We cover over the faults of others. Agape believes all things. A Greek word that uh, has its root in the Greek word pistis, referring to one's conviction of truth. It's to have faith. We have faith in all things that God is going to work in every situation. Agape hopes all things. It's to look for with expectation. We have this hope. In the end, God wins. And agape endures all things. It means to stay under, to bear under. It speaks about perseverance under trial. Agape helps us to do that. Are you willing to allow Jesus' agape to help you to bear the trials in this life? to believe in the work of God in this life, to hope with expectation of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, to endure the weights and the trials of this world and others until you see Jesus face to face. The founding pastor of the Calvary Chapel movement, Pastor Chuck Smith, he loved to take this portion of Scripture and to read his own name into the passage in verses 4 through 7. And so if I do it by putting my name here, it just doesn't seem to fit as well. If I read it to you this way, it says, John suffers long and is kind. John does not envy. John does not parade himself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek his own, is not provoked, thinks no evil does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. John bears all things. John believes all things. John hopes all things. John endures all things. Well, I read through that as I'm reading it to you. I'm thinking, yeah, uh, not so much. Hit some of those points, and I don't fit well in there. But the name that does fit well in there, if we would exchange love for Jesus, it fits perfectly. Jesus suffers long and is kind. Jesus does not envy. Jesus does not parade himself, is not puffed up. Jesus does not behave rudely, does not seek his own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, 
does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Jesus bears all things. Jesus believes all things. Jesus hopes all things. Jesus endures all things. I would challenge you to insert your own name in there. See how you line up. We must continually bear, believe, hope, endure all things with agape. And we come to our final point, the greatest of these, verses 8 through 13. The Word of God tells us, Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall be known as I am known. Now abide faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is agape. That which is perfect, verses 8 through 10. We find this Paul telling us, love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. Agape never fails. Never fails. It properly means, this Greek word to fall, it means it never perishes, never comes to an end, never disappears, never ceases. It speaks about the virtues that we find in 1 Corinthians 13. Yet prophecies, they will fail. Tongues will cease. Knowledge will be done away with. Though we have the gifts of prophecies, of tongues, of knowledge, our understanding of these things, they are limited today. One day, these things will be done away with, while agape will remain. John said in 1 John 3, verses 2 and 3, Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he has, is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope purifies himself just as he is pure. John, the Apostle John said, It has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but when we see him, we shall be like him. When that which is perfect has come, when that has come to a completion, to be mature, to be complete, that perfect state of all things is going to be ushered in by the return of Jesus Christ from heaven. And it's going to come toward us when that which is perfect shall come. I was raised in a denomination that taught that Paul referred to uh, that which is perfect. Actually, Paul referring to the Bible. That once we have the 66 books of the Bible, the perfect, then we don't need prophecy we don't need knowledge we don't need understanding because it's been given to us through the word of god meaning that the sign gifts will have ceased and yet i didn't quite follow along with that teaching 
because even with the Bible today, we understand that we are limited in our understanding. We have much that we can learn through the Word of God. It's one of the reasons I became a Calvary Chapel pastor, because the belief that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are available to us today. Paul's meaning here, if you look at the context of the passage, he's talking about seeing in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. He's talking about some future day when we'll see our Lord face to face, when we come to that place of heaven's glory. Right now, we see in a mirror as dimly. We don't have a complete picture of Jesus Christ. But when that which perfect has come, when we come more properly into that eternal state, we will no longer need the gift of prophecy. We'll no longer need the gift of knowledge or understanding because we'll come to that complete state of seeing the Lord face to face. But for the time being, we are limited in our understanding. We know in part and we prophesy in part according to 1 Corinthians 13.9. When we get to heaven, these partial things will give way to that which is perfect. And the preaching and teaching will no longer be needed. That's why Paul wrote in Philippians 3, verses 12 through 14, Not that I have already obtained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself as apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I reach forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for which is the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And brother and sister, today are you pressing toward the goal of that which is before us, that of Jesus Christ? The greatest of these things is found in verses 11 through 13. He said, when I was a child, verse 11, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. In the natural process of development from childhood to that of an adult, there are a lot of things that adults no longer do that they did when they were children. For they have developed physically, mentally, emotionally, and for the believers, spiritually. In Paul's example, childish speaking, childish understanding, childish thought, they've been put away when a person reaches that state of maturity. I have to admit to you that sometimes as a grandfather, I fall back into those childish tendencies with my grandsons especially. I teach them things that they probably shouldn't need to know, but they learn them anyways because I at one time thought as a child, and it's still in there. But I've also matured in my development, my love for God and for God's people and for those who are not the people of God. Paul said, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I am known in part, but then I shall be known just as I am known. In this life, we see a, a reflection of the glory of the life to come. Right now, everything we know about Jesus comes from the Bible. It is as a mirror, looking in a mirror dimly. Yet when we get to heaven, we won't have to wonder about things like, how tall was Jesus? We'll see him. He might walk up to me one day and say, I'm taller than you. 
you are, as one of my grandsons likes to do now. We won't have to wonder about the color of his eyes, the sound of his voice. We'll see him face to face. Currently, we have this partial picture of Jesus. One day, we'll see him face to face. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now we are children of God. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we shall know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. I know I've already read that verse to you today, but it's important. One day we'll have that complete picture of Jesus. And he finishes in verse 13, the greatest is love. Now abides faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Presently, faith, hope, and love abide in our world. One day, the faith that we place in our unseen Savior will be done away with because we will see him face to face. One day, the hope that we have in our unseen Savior will be done away with because we will have seen him face to face. In Philippians 11.1, 1, he ties both faith and hope together, saying, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. One day, the love that we have in our unseen Savior will not be done away with because we will have seen him face to face. We will actually come into the fullness of his love. Jesus said in John 15.13, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. When all else fades away, the agape of Christ will remain. Today we have seen in the message entitled, A More Excellent Way in 1 Corinthians 13, that the gifts without love, whether using one of the sign gifts or our natural abilities, we must function with agape. Love defined in verses 4 through 7, we learn that we must continually bear, believe, hope, and endure all things with agape. And the greatest of these, verses 8 through 13, though we may bear, believe, and hope, and endure all things, it happens with agape. Agape of Christ will remain. It is my hope that you have realized that Jesus is the Savior of the world. And we have received his gift of salvation through faith in his name. Around here at Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa, we like to give our church motto, which is believe, receive, grow, and go. That of believing in God in Hebrews eleven six, it tells us without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We must believe that there is a God. We also must receive in Romans 5, 17, for if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace of the gift of righteousness will reign in the life of the one, Jesus Christ. We must receive faith through Jesus Christ. After we believed in God, received the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, we need to grow in our faith. 2 Peter 3.18 reminds us, But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. And finally, we have to go. Matthew 28.19 and 20 tells us, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Believe, receive, grow, and go. I'd like to continue to encourage you to reach out to people this week, at least three. Let them know that you're thinking of them. It could be a friend, a co-worker, a neighbor, a church member. Reach out to them. It's so important these days that we find ourselves in. And finally, if you need prayer again, you can go to our church's webpage, cclv.org forward slash prayer, and leave a request there. I'd like to close this in prayer now. So, Father, we thank you for this day you've given us. Thank you for your great grace that you've bestowed upon us. We thank you, Father, for this great passage of Scripture, that teaching of the agape love of Christ. Lord, I pray that agape would flow through our lives. And we look forward, Lord, to all that we see in part in a mirror dimly right now. Lord, we look forward to that day that we will see you face to face. Until that day, Lord, I pray that you would help us to function, to operate in agape. That is my prayer, our desire for us this day. In the name of Jesus, amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord richly bless you as you worship him today.